0: Good morning, church. Good morning. It is certainly good to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, unlike last week where Jeff Peterson spoke to us, he's a professor, well written, well spoken, really good theological lesson last week. On the other hand, today, (laughs) very rudimentary, simple, in a short (laughs) sermon for you this (laughs) morning. But I can't be long-winded if you want me to do. <laughs> now, as always, I thank uh, my Lord Jesus Christ for the opportunity to present a message from His Word. And my hope this morning is that you add to your faith perseverance through this lesson as we struggle through our faith and our life as Christians. Before I speak, let us go to our Father and pray. Holy Father, we thank you so much, Father, for bringing us together this Sunday morning to have breakfast together, to share a Bible study, to sing songs of praise to you, and to hear a a sermon, a message, a lesson from your Word. Father God, be with your servant this morning, be with your people as we struggle through this life together to be pleasing to you in all that we do. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I guess the good thing is that my wife is downstairs and she jams I can talk about her. But 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 as you know, why is always known when the husbands are talking about that. Anyway, so several years ago, I mean, before I came to Texas, I had the opportunity to uh, speak at a retreat. And the title of the retreat was In His Image. And I was asked to uh, present a lesson or a, a talk on the athlete in in the image of God as analogous to the Christian life. And so what I did was I tried to modify that talk into a sermon this morning. So in Genesis chapter one, we see that humankind, as you know, is created in the image of God. And here in 2 Timothy, Paul gives three examples that he wants Timothy to follow. The first is a soldier that wants to please his commanding officer. The second is the athlete who runs the race or competes according to the rules. The third is the farmer who wants the, the, the first cut, the first fruits of his crop. So i try to focus in on the athlete the best I can. And so it's not really a one-to-one ratio when it comes to it. The athlete and the Christian life, but I think you understand the point that I'm trying to make. So when you think of athletics or athlete, what comes to your mind? Sports? Right? Determination? Endurance? Laser-like focus? Right? Strict training that you go through? What goes to your mind? Perhaps it's a big-time well-known athlete who makes millions of dollars like my favorite, Tom Brady. Even though he's with Tampa Bay now, I still like Tom Brady. <laughs> well, how about your Dak Prescott? the Woods. Who comes to mind when you think of an athlete? But many others. A lot of things come to mind when you think of the athlete. Like in Genesis, athletes, sometimes they put them on a pedestal. Right, coach? to do that, but like us, like humankind, they're created. They're created by God. Right? They have rational thoughts, they're moral beings, and they're personal. Just like you and I. So I want to look at six areas, if you will, six areas um, necessary to become part of a team, or to engage in athletics, as at least the best I can to the Christian life. And they are Tryouts, preparation for training, strict training, the competition itself, following the rules, and then sixth, winning the prize or winning the crown. So the first thing you need to do is try out for the team. You try out for the team. Now we, as human beings, as Christians, we are worthy of Jesus, amen? Amen. We are worthy of Jesus. Yet He demands His rightful place in our hearts and minds. If we choose to follow Him, then He demands place. We must place Him first and foremost, as you know, above all others. He comes first. Even before our relationship with our spouse. Before our children. Before our jobs. Before our relationship with our friends and neighbors. Jesus comes first. And He demands Obedience, Matthew chapter ten. He demands obedience, but yet it's not burdensome. But it's for our benefit. Second Timothy chapter two, which I read this morning, Paul talks about passing on the faith, right, <laughs> discipleship, to entrust reliable and qualified men. Teach the faith, train those. So who do we learn from? The early apostles, the disciples. Jesus Christ himself, we learn from Mitch, our elders, our leaders, we learn the subject to them. Like an athlete needs to be reliable and qualified for the team, which means that, coach, I'm going to pick on you a lot it's about athletics, right? <laughs> what kind of desire does a person need to be on a team? He needs to want to be on that team, he does all he can to try to make that team. Fortitude determination, grit, to make that team who wants to be placed on that team. You need heart to be part of that team. One of the things I tell people I used to teach at the academy is that in order to be a police officer, it's this something you just can't try and see if you like it, or that it may pay well in some places, whether you lost your job being a chef or an architect or even a lawyer, Be tried being a police officer. I tell folks, if that is your motivation to become a police officer, you're not going to last long in this profession. You need to have that true heart. It's going to be in the bones to become a police officer, just like that as a Christian. That heart to be part of God's team. And that's why a lot of folks don't last. Even as Christians, right? Some folks fall away. They don't finish the race. Just like athletic competitions. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter was preaching at Pentecost, the people asked them after Peter started preaching, they were cut to the heart and asked Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? How to become part of God's kingdom? What must I do? What <coughs> Peter say? Repent and be baptized. If you want to become part of God's team, this is a starting point. You have to try out. Right? You have to become part of that team. Peter said, repent and be baptized, be part of God's kingdom, God's church. Try it. Again, not as that one fun analysis, but it's in the point I'm trying to make. Second, you need to prepare for training. Not training yet, but prepare for training. As a coach might testify, before a football player trains, don't they stretch out? Loosen up their muscles a little bit? Do a quick, slight jog? I play ice hockey. Not very good, but I play ice hockey, and before I get on the ice, I stretch out. My arms, my legs, my back, as I'm old, right? I prepare to get in the ice. So no athlete goes right from tryouts into competition. You don't go right into competition, or even to strict training. You do warm-up exercises, calisthenics. Uh, you don't rush into the scrimmage game before you prepare for that scrimmage game. Like loosen up those muscles. Get ready to practice. Get ready to train. Right? We are getting ready as young disciples to serve God in His kingdom. Like getting ready. Drinking that milk. Right? Eating that baby food, if you will. Before we get into that meat. In Ephesians chapter 4, we read that we, in fact, are prepared. We are prepared to do works of service. We are prepared to do good works. Why? So the church can be built up and become mature in Jesus Christ. What is the mission of UA? To love God and love others. And that means we we do works of service. We do good. Training is not just focused on an academic exercise, but it emphasizes, in a sense, practice. It involves expending energy, placing the needs of others before yourself. That's so challenging, isn't it? To put <coughs> the needs of yourself before others. That's tough because we want things. And sometimes when we have to place others about ourselves, we get a little bit selfish. And I can testify that to people that I work with. Hey, Sarge, they tell me. Hey, Sarge, you know what? Nobody cares about us, they just spit on us. <clears throat> the city our leaders they don't really care about us I tell them just do, do your job do it well and trust me you will reap the benefits but they can only see about four feet in front of them they don't see the big picture so prepare your minds for action Peter says prepare your minds for action how? by putting into practice the things you've seen in the leaders he says in 2 Timothy but you see them, them mimic those things as they mimic Jesus Christ. Which requires what? Seclusion? Being all by yourself in your room? Watching TV all day, never getting outside? It requires personal involvement. It requires contact with other people. In order to have the greatest impact in your life and others' lives, we have to prepare to serve others. That's our job. Service, works of service. tried trial for the team, preparing for training, now it's time for that strict training. Not just training, but strict training. Now it's time, in my opinion, to be a faithful servant, a reliable player on the team, a reliable member of God's church. First Corinthians talks about to grow as adults or to train as an athlete, we must be given food. Not any food, but food that's going to help us develop. I have one vice. Valerie's not here, so she can testify that I have more than one vice, but I have one vice. And the lady is here, so she'll tattle tail on me. It's Mountain Dew. I love Mountain Dew in Pespa for mountain you. But is not is that good for you? Is that good food for you? Is that good? No. We need the right kind of food to grow. not meat, not how we grow, but milk, bread, and cheese, man. Right? We need to eat the right food, learn the right things, and share the right concepts of the scriptures. We, in fact, are living sacrifices. Right? We are living sacrifices. We are Duplicate the efforts of our Jesus Christ. We Duplicate his efforts. I mean, how dedicated, coach? How dedicated is the athlete? If they want to move to the NHL, if they play college football, how dedicated are they? They're highly dedicated. And we as Christians be even more dedicated to serving our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen? That kind of dedication, that kind of effort. As Peter points out in 1 Peter 2, Newborn babies require pure milk for growth. Simple and strict training, faith-built training, will strengthen us, not overwhelm us, but it's good for us. Now, I'm not old enough to ever drink castor oil. Right? Are you old enough to drink that stuff? Did, Did that taste good? No. So, but why did your parents give that to you? They thought it would be good for you. Put a big that sometimes we may not think it's good for us, but it's beneficial, amen? It is because God knows what's best. And as athletes on God's team, we must always be ready, always be courageous, always be strong. Because you know what? We have Jesus Christ right beside us, in front of us, around us. We must resolve to remain faithful on God's team. Be faithful and courageous. Because sometimes it's going to be scary when we're training, frightening when we're training. But have faith, don't lose heart, have courage. 1 Peter 3 talks about what? To be ready. To give an answer. To anyone that asks you about the hope that you have. Are you ready to give an answer of your faith? I hope you are. But if not, how do you get the answers? By eating that food, reading the scriptures, reading the Bible. Stay close to God's word. Through strict training, focusing on Jesus Christ, our master, living in that daily truth, we can present Christ with gentleness and respect. Amen? Mm-hmm. Respect. I can tell you a lot of reasons why people... You know, don't go to church. Those hypocrites at church. What do I need church for? I'm my own god, in a sense. If they don't understand the true concept, they'll understand why it's beneficial for us. Strict training. So the trials are over. We've made the team. We've prepared our minds. We've prepared for training. We're ready to start competing ready to start living, I mean, the whole process of living our lives out for God, but now it comes where it's true competition, when our faith is challenged. We are now competing. We're running the race that is marked out for us by Jesus Christ. But guess what? As you know, who ran the race before us? You can say it. Jesus. Who won the race before us? You can say it. Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith? Jesus, that should give us confidence when we're running our own race, the race of life, of Christian faith. Did Jesus finish the race? We're just sitting right now at the right hand of God Mm -hmm. and that's where we're going to if we stay faithful to our faith. So in order to please God, we must believe in Him knowing that Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. The Bible is designed to produce faith. Amen? You read the Bible, it builds faith at hope it truly does, yet it only builds faith in those who hear it, believe it, and take it to heart, doesn't the Bible say that even Satan believes, yet he shudders. So believing is good, but not enough. Put into practice what he says. Our faith in Christ rests upon the sure foundation of God's revelation concerning Jesus Christ. Jesus blesses those men and women of great faith. But what about those who don't have faith? He rebukes the Bible, says. Let's not be rebuked by Jesus, but let us be blessed by Jesus. And faith is a condition of salvation and we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is perfected by obedience. Faith is perfected by obedience. Acceptable faith brings faith. I'm sorry, acceptable faith brings peace It also brings, guess what, assurance. It brings that confidence. It brings that, I'm not afraid what happened because I know Jesus Christ is right there with me. By faith, we overcome the world. By faith, guess what, we inherit eternal salvation. But the fifth thing as we run our race for Jesus Christ, as we live our life for Him, we do so according to the rules. According to the read, according to the scriptures in this sense. So punching, gouging, and kicking. They're all part of the game of football back at the turn of the century, correct? Right, coach? In the 1905 season, 18 men were killed in college football in the United States. 159 were injured permanently. Players only wore light equipment, and punching, kicking, and gouging were all permitted. This prompted, if I'm not mistaken, Teddy Roosevelt to establish the NCAA that year in 1905, and establish some rules so what people wouldn't get hurt or killed. There must be rules in every facet of life. Why? Because without rules, there'll be chaos. There'll be confusion. That's so why we have law and order, order. See, that's my Boston accent. <laughs> law and order. In our country. Right? There are rules. There must be rules in every facet of our life. Second Timothy chapter two, we right read this morning, we read that the athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by what? Following the rules. What happens if you don't follow the rules? You get suspended. You get expelled. You don't win. What happens if you actually won a race, but they determine, we'll say weeks later, that you broke the rules? What happens to your award? Lance Armstrong, what happens to those awards? It's taken from you, right? Because he violated the rules, that they discovered after the fact. Any athlete who violated or broke the rules in competition could not be crowned. In ancient times, even in modern times. Today's elite athletes dedicate themselves to training and competition, yet, if that athlete violates the rules, guess what? stripped from them. Now, several years ago, I forgot the year, but I believe that my the women of Patriots, Bill Belichick, during a practice session was videotaping the other team. It wasn't during competition, it wasn't during practice, but what? He violated the rules of the game. And the Patriots were fined millions of dollars and they lost some draft picks. Right? The point is, it didn't happen in the competition. It didn't even happen during practice or during training. But it happened because that profession that they're in, and they broke the rules and there were consequences. Likewise, disciples of Jesus Christ follow God's truth daily in their lives. We follow the word of God. Going to successfully be awarded heaven, we follow the rules. Now I understand that we don't inherit or earn salvation, don't get me wrong, but so we there are rules for our faith. We right? have to fight the good fight according to the scriptures, according to the Bible. In the Old Testament we find Moses as the lawgiver. The Old Testament. I think Mitch kind of touched on this today but the Old Testament has been done away with and nailed to the cross in a sense. And today we're under the law of Christ. Right? The law of Christ. And this law, is referred to in James as the royal law of liberty. So he said, I'm putting that God's righteous, and His laws or His rules are not grievous, but in fact, designed for our good. I'm glad God is God, because He knows everything, and I trust Him. I don't know more than Him, but I'm confused, even this, though even this morning's lesson about the covenant, I know God's in charge, and he knows the right thing. He knows the right thing to do. If we love the Lord, if we love God, we will keep his commandments. So important is obedience that Paul says in Hebrews chapter 5. He says that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. To who? To all that obey him we obey Jesus Christ we too have salvation. We run the race of life. We run our Christian faith according to the rules, according to the scriptures. After all the trials, the training, the competition, following those rules, we now have the victory. Does he say come in first place? You get the prize. He says no. Do what? Finish the race. Amen. Just finish the race and you will get the prize. You will get the prize. Paul says press on. Press on to the goal to win that prize. Press on heavenward to get that prize. But there was a price to pay. There was a high price to pay. But who paid that price for you and me? Jesus Christ paid that price. It all depended on him. Jesus Christ took on humanity. Took on the form of a man. Like you and I. And he came to repossess the kingdom. And he conquered the competition. Amen. Which is who? Which is Satan. He conquered the competition. And at the close of his ministry, he said to his disciples, take heart, in the shadow of the cross, if you will, take heart, I have overcome the world. He paid the debt with his life. And the kingdom treasure was his. So in a lesser but more real sense, every seeker of the crown must overcome the world if he is to repossess or possess the treasure of the kingdom of God. And that means you and I. Again, the race is finished. The war is done. We have the victory. Just finish the race. And you get that victor's crown. Just finish the race. The apostles left everything. They left their nets and at once followed Jesus Christ. Right? Paul said he lost everything. All things for what? The sake of Jesus Christ. That's the sacrifice. So in a sense, we all must overcome the power of this world if it would reign with Jesus Christ. It means we too must take up our cross daily. Every single day, be crucified to the world. We too must be willing to pay the price and finish the race. Don't come in, doesn't they come in first, or second, or third? Just finish the race and we get prize, the kingdom of God. Amen. Faith is the victory. Fight the good fight. Finish the race and dedicate all your efforts to Jesus Christ the Lord. Tryouts, prepare for training, strict training, competition, follow the rules, and guess what? You have the crown. Amen. The lesson is yours.